Open your ears and crack some beers. You are listening to episode 17 of Retro Hangover. You're listening to us over the sweet, sweet megabytes and kilobytes of the streaming service of your choice. And yes, you heard that right. It is episode 17, not 16, because 16 was last week, even though we said it was 15. But that's fine. Uh, we do what we want around here, and we every episode is episode 15 as far as I'm concerned, except for this week. This week is episode 17, because... We are progressive and we are moving forward. That's right. Especially today's we we are topic. we are we are strong, uh, independent black women, and we don't need no man and and lesbians. I mean, I feel like that might have been implied. In- I mean, are, are we are we strong, independent black lesbians with penises? Uh, well, I mean, that's for us to know and everyone else to find out. Well, accidentally. I- at a Christmas party. Well, you know what? Things happen at Christmas parties that should not be said. But at the same time, hey, Christmas parties are just drunken awesomeness. Uh, but anyway, Shane, <laughs> I am with you today and talking about... It, it is near Christmas. It is. Uh, and, and we are gearing up for that holiday. Uh, but I'm here today. Uh, we have changed our format yes. to our wonderful show. Uh, where we are going to have a main topic and... Uh, that's going to be central. We always had a main topic, of course, uh, but we are going to change our flight essentially to uh, all the news stories throughout the week. And what's on tap is going to be our main topic, which this week is censorship. Yes, it is. <clears throat> we're, we're we're taking that dive uh, in, into that topic, so uh, I think it ought to be a pretty interesting discussion. I I am going to venture a guess to say that Chris and I probably don't disagree on too many points about that one but we'll find out i think i i, I honestly i hope we do disagree on a lot of points because we'll make for a better conversation i mean that is that is crazy. true yes but i don't know i feel like we're we're sort of coming at this one from from the same angle but you yeah. never know what might happen by the way fun fact me and shane have never really talked about censorship before and how we feel about it that you know what that's a good point um surprisingly we haven't amongst all of the the various discussions that we've had either on or off microphone. <laughs> yes. I, I think this is, a, it's going to be, it's going to be interesting. Um, really looking, I'm actually really looking forward to this conversation. Uh, and, and where we go in this, that would call mini debate. Um, but anyway, Shane, yes. tell me, please, how is your video gaming going? Well, I'm glad you asked, Chris. Uh, it, God, that sounded so robotic. <laughs> you sounded like fucking hell. <laughs> uh, that was, I mean, it's kind of what I was going for. So, mission I, accomplished, achievement yes. unlocked, whatever the fuck. Uh, but yeah, um, so <clears throat> against my better judgment, financial judgment, just judgment in general, I suppose, I um jumped on a sale that Gamersgate was having on the Scholar of the First Sin edition of Dark Souls 2. 
and bought that. Wait, 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 wait. Yes. We're having a conversation about censorship and you're buying games from a site called Gamersgate. Yeah, see, I think that's actually like just a really unfortunate name on their behalf because I think they had that before the actual Gamergate thing happened. And now they're just kind of like having to pretend that, you know, there's Gamergate doesn't exist. Yeah, that there's no similarity there at all. Oh, no. Yeah. So (laughs) anyway, them. No, not. No, it's not. Um, But yeah, so I I picked up uh, Scholar of the First Sin on sale. Um, It's the cheapest it's been historically so far. I think I got it for like 15 or 16 bucks. Um, And this includes... Mm the base game plus all of the DLC they released for Dark Souls 2 plus obviously the you know changes and balance tweaks and everything that they've done to the game evidently in my research on this thing they went so far as to actually redo some of like the enemy placement and things like that in this edition of the game so if you go and look at uh, like some of the you know hints or walkthroughs and stuff for the game uh, a lot of it's not really accurate anymore which is okay. I mean, I I try to approach most games, I think, but particularly these types of games um, without really relying too much on like a walkthrough because I'd really rather prefer to experience it for myself. Um, but there are some points where I just need to go look at something to give me a give me a hand. But um, so I've been playing that and dying a lot. As is the way. Is what you do in Dark Souls. Pretty much, yeah. Um, I've made it through almost all of the Forest of Giants, and I was working on the next area, uh, which I think is called the Tower of Flame, I believe. Um, Tower of Flamer? Uh, yes. It is a fabulous, fabulous tower. Um, so that's actually that's been pretty fun. The nice thing I think about it is I already have experience playing the first Dark Souls. So like getting into this one was way easier than when I first started playing the other one because that was rough. And also this one I think was actually a, a little bit more accessible. Um, they made some changes to how the game begins and everything and how it plays that it's uh, it's a little bit easier to get into. So, been having fun with that. I heard it was a lot easier, actually, in the first Dark Souls. Uh, I mean, um, for me personally, I don't think it's way easier. Um, I will say, and this, again, might just be because i am already played a Dark Souls game, so I kind of know the mechanics, but I think I played through the first several hours of this one without dying once. And actually, the only reason my first death came about was because I accidentally backed off of a ledge. <laughs> so, hmm. there's that. Um, but, other than that, I think uh, I think the only other thing is I've been playing Chrono Trigger on my 3DS. Yes! Yeah. So I actually... The DS version, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes! Yeah, so I think I put like a couple hours into that today as well. So um, been really enjoying that one. Uh, right now I'm... I'm I'm sort of... I'm, I'm pretty far into the uh, the futuristic area where like it's like a, um, like a post-apocalyptic thing where everybody's like starving and they're living in domes. Have you played this game before? Uh, no. No, I have not. You have... No, I told you that, man. Like, I... Wow. I know. This is one of those, like, classics that I never got around to really playing. I did start it once, because I think I actually 
borrowed it from someone for my S for my Super Nintendo back in the day, but I never uh I didn't get very far, to say the least. So I can't I can't remember the exact year, but I think it's what, twenty twenty one hundred AD is where you're at right now? Uh, you're I think, in the future? Yeah, I think it's something like that. Have you gotten the robot party member yet? I have not, no. Yeah, you you, you have barely scratched the surface of that game. Yeah, oh, I know that. I know that. <laughs> it is Ugh. you're you're in for a, you're in for a good trip that was a good game yeah i've been i've been enjoying it so far so i i like the um i like the way that the combat is done in that game oh it's yes it is a very good very 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 good game um probably one of the best rpgs ever made fantastic game but uh yeah that's that's what i've been up to so uh what about you chris you have any other like weird ass japanese dating sims you've been playing or uh no but i bought one but um oh good <laughs> yes. Um, Should I be worried about you? Is this like going to be a thing now? Well, we'll get to that. Anyway, <laughs> um, I noticed I'm disappointed in us last week because I think it was the first episode where we did not talk about Final Fantasy Record Keeper. So Holy crap. I just want to say, you're right. Yeah. So I just want to say that uh, I have been playing that game. Um, I, I, uh, I have moving as well. on. Yes, good. Uh, other than that, I got a crap load of games. I, I'm not even sure what I've gotten recently. It's just been a whirlwind of stuff. Uh, haven't really played much of them except for uh, one major game. Um, Xenoblade Chronicles X. Holy shit, is that game amazing? Easily, 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 uh, my favorite game of the year so far. It's my game of the year. Really? <clears throat> Without question. Yes. It's one of those games that... I've started to notice there's a difference between open-world Japanese RPGs and Western open-world RPGs, kind of like the Fallout. Uh, and I kind of use Mass Effect and, and some of the older Magic games, because I really haven't played some of the newer Skyrim uh, Fallout games, really, comparison, so you can correct me if I'm wrong here. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm all up for it. But it's kind of like Japanese RPGs... It's kind of like, you know, you know, I'm going to equate this to a uh, penis, uh, people with giant penises. Okay. So <laughs> Go on. Um, I- I'm going to say that like Western RPGs are kind of like porn stars, right? You know, they have a big penis. Uh, you know, they have a giant penis. And once they put out their giant penis, you're like, wow, that's a fucking giant penis. I don't know how I'm going to conquer that. Uh, <laughs> but Japanese RPGs. Uh, open world like Xenoblade and uh, Xenoblade Chronicles X, like you hear they have a giant penis. You're like, yeah, right. And then like, uh, like you go up to these these games, and then you look at how big these games are, and like, holy shit, that's a fucking giant penis. <laughs> and the game's like, yeah, I, I told you I had a big dick. I just didn't want to flaunt it. Like I've always said, it was a big, giant, huge penis. And you're like, this is this game is fucking enormous. It is fucking huge. And I don't know if I'm gonna have the time to do this. And or, or the will to conquer it. And it's like, I t- fucking told you that. But it's where, like, Western RPGs are like, you, you go into it knowing it's a giant penis. <laughs> like, Japanese <laughs> RPGs, you go into it thinking, yeah, right, it's a big fucking game. It's a big fucking giant penis. But no, Xenoblade Chronicles X is a gigantic fucking dick. It is a load of cock that you need to just... It, 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 it like... I'm in one fucking, now I'm off the dick stuff, but, like, <laughs> I'm in one continent, and it's like a world unto its own. I'm seven, I'm just like almost eight or nine hours into this game, and I have accomplished absolutely fucking nothing, except just wandering around and just looking for random missions to complete, and just doing whatever I do. Um, 
it's fantastic. I think you would love it. Uh, just an amazing game. Uh, you you need to look into. Other than that, uh, yeah, I just bought some games. Uh, I I bit the bullet and I tried out the GameStop retro sales. I had to try it out mm-hmm. and mixed results. Even one thing they had a Cyber Week and I wouldn't have even tried it out. Um, I would have gone to VGR to do it, but it was just the way the paychecks fell that it was. I didn't have that for VGR, but I had it for GameStop, which is unfortunate. But I was able to do a buy to get one from them, and I got uh, Mickey Mouse World of Illusion, not Castle of Illusion, mm-hmm. uh, but World of Illusion, uh, Shinobi 3, and Beyond the Beyond for the PlayStation. And Mickey Mouse came complete in box with the instruction. Shinobi 3 came with the box in the game no instructions and uh beyond the beyond just came in this slip cover with the disc i'm like fuck this <laughs> so uh <laughs> mixed results uh by all means um but the game i was telling you about that uh, uh, that this kind of a dating sim is called as your dreams for the playstation i bought that very very close and dear game to my heart haven't started playing that yet loved it growing up as a kid it has a dating sim element to it similar to harvest moon mm-hmm uh, if you've played Harvest Moon, it's it's it is what it is. It's it's like crack. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But uh, for those who are wondering what Azure Dreams is, it's it's one of the few games that Psychomantis calls out in Metal Gear Solid off your memory card, uh, which is probably a little known fact because no one played Azure Dreams. And uh, it's it's a roguelite dungeon crawling dating sim. Okay. So if you like roguelikes, do you like roguelike shame? Do, do I like roguelike? Do you like roguelikes? <laughs> do you like roguelikes? Uh, I, to a certain point, yes. Um, I, I will say that they generally don't hold my attention long because the whole like, oh hey, all that progress you made, you have to start from scratch again. I really am not a huge fan of that. Which is, again, why uh, I don't like RTSs. We had that discussion before as well. Yes. I, I don't like starting over from scratch like every single time. But I have put some time into some some roguelike games. So there have been a few that have caught my attention. Um, Rogue Legacy being one, for sure. Rogue Legacy? That's a roguelike? Yeah. I mean, that's... I mean, it's like... It's like in the name, man. Well, it doesn't mean... Oh, okay. You're talking about the, 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 the PC, PS4. Okay. Yes. I'm thinking of Rogue Galaxy. Oh, no, 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 no. Which is a level 5 RPG. Um, I am the king of obscure, if not anything else. Um, but yeah, I mean, this is a true roguelike, uh, in, much in the vein of... No, it is a roguelike roguelike. Like, it's grid-based movement. And Are there ASCII graphics? N- not that roguelike. <laughs> it's it's sprite. It's PS1 early sprite-based graphics, so mm-hmm. that, I mean... Your, your tolerance will go as far as it takes you. Um, but anyway, me, enough of me talking about obscure games. That's pretty much all I got. Just I would say if you if if you can, everyone out there, get Xenoblade Chronicles X uh, because it's incredible. Nintendo needs to make more games like this. More RPGs need to come to the Wii U. Um, out of curiosity, how does it run? Does it run smoothly? It does run fantastic there's still a, a significant amount of pop-in mm-hmm. in there even with uh, i downloaded all the data packs which is 20 gigabytes worth of data nice and uh downloaded all those and there's still quite a bit of pop-in unfortunately hmm. um but for the most part yeah like once it loads up there's no real running time or loading times after that unless you fast travel okay and 
it's very seamless. You can go wherever you want to go and and, and move around, and it's 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 just really good. Um, it runs fine. It, it runs beautifully. Uh, the character designs, it's, it's give or take, it, it's very anime inspired, I don't know if, it, it's not for everybody, but, um, the gameplay, I lose myself in that game, uh, and it's, it's probably how you feel about Fallout. Yeah. Uh, just, just kind of lose myself in that game, and, uh, like, I, I didn't even realize I was nine hours in the game, I hadn't even done, uh, a giant dick's worth of work. <laughs> You haven't even got to a half chub yet. I haven't even gotten past the tip. Wow. Yeah. It's going to take some work. No, I'm still working on that mushroom. <laughs> you gotta, you got to uh, gotta loosen up those jaw muscles, man. That's what it is. You say anything about a jaw. <laughs> oh, we, we, we have fun here. <laughs> we have gone straight down <laughs> the uh, back end hole of no, no, no. No, giant dick. No, no. Okay. Anyway. So, um, well, having said all that, I think we... Just uh, taking it. I think we, we, probably, we probably have some news that we'd like to cover, don't we? Yeah, let's let's go over some news. Uh, I guess what? This is now the flight? It is. Let, let's fly, fly away. <laughs> all right. First, uh, first order order of business on the flight today. Uh, Square Enix has been offering up some additional details on the Final Fantasy VII remake, and um, I think we've I think Chris and I have some differing viewpoints on this one. So, uh, in short, they've made it official that this thing is going to be segmented into various releases. In sort of episodic. an yeah, in sort of an episodic nature, um, like Telltale. Well, I okay, I don't think it's going to be exactly like Telltale because their reasoning behind it, um, according to the you know the director and the producer behind the game, is it's mostly about the size of the content um, because the PlayStation. Like <laughs> this is going to be a running theme. I can tell. Big cock. <laughs> So you can only fit so much dick on one disc, right? And so, because PlayStation 4 uh, has just this huge, veiny, you know, throbbing bastard of a graphical system, um, they just can't fit all of that on one poor little disc. And so <laughs> they need to spread that shit out <laughs> over several discs. Uh, they did go on to say though, that each one of these installments as they're referring to will have the same amount of material as, as what they would consider a full title release and will tell a complete contained story in and of itself, which is sort of interesting considering, you know, the entire game has an overarching plot, but. I don't know. I mean, what are your thoughts on this one, Chris? <sighs> what I'd say Squaresoft was going to do when this when this game was announced. Um, let's see. You mean apart from fuck it up? Because I think you said they were going to fuck it up. Well, uh, yeah, I said they're going to fuck it up. Uh, uh, what did I tell you? How they're what, what did I tell you that they have always done with this franchise that wouldn't surprise me that they would do with this game? Milk it for money. Milk the <laughs> fuck out of it. Uh huh. They're already starting to milk the fuck out of it. I, I'm sorry. Look. 
when the, when it came out with the battle system, okay, I can get I can get all the reaction videos I saw where everyone was glee gleefully saying, "Oh, look at it! It's so good." I understand why the battle system isn't updated. I understand why they had to change it, but you're all fucking stupid if you think you didn't have to do it. Okay, fine. You you have a new battle system. You're happy uh, that it's being remade. Okay, but then they announced episode of Contact, which we just found out at the end of our podcast last week, or else it would have been on there. Mm-hmm. Um, but everyone just willingly accepting this like it it has gotten to the point now where i think people who want the remake will take the final fantasy remake no matter how it comes no matter what it is just as long as it gets remade that's just going to make them happy i have seen more people defending this uh, episode of content that which is completely uncharacteristic uh, of people defending episode of content like they're all of a sudden like you know you know uh, this could be good and then we can get you know character progression and stuff. No, they're fucking milking you. They're milking you for your fucking money. It's not a size issue. It's definitely not a size issue. This has never been a size issue. There's an installation stuff you could put what what 100 gigabytes on, on one Blu-ray disc, dual layer uh, dual layer Blu-ray disc or something like that. Some insane amount of of information on one Blu-ray disc. Like, a ridiculous amount. I don't even know how big the, the download was for fucking uh, Halo 5 or the Halo Master Chief Collection. It was insane. But they still had a physical game. It came out all at once. This is Squaresoft fucking milking the shit out of Final Fantasy VII, and they know everybody is just going to lap it up and take it because they're so desperate for a fucking remake that is going to just sell like hotcakes no matter what. So first of all, you can already confirm from this, there's not going to be a physical release of this game, ever. There's going to be all digital. It's going to be... It's not going to be anything anybody wanted, but we're so... People just wanted this game so much, they don't give a fuck how they ingest it. Uh, it's it's r- ridiculous the the amount of defending that is going on with this, um, and there's so many other questions to this. Like how I, I, and like is it going to be like a Mass Effect turnover? Is it going to be you play one game and then everything carries over to the next portion? Is it you? Because obviously the good thing about this is I don't see them milking DLC out of out of this game but how do you progress can you buy chapter two without playing chapter one and where and can you play chapter three without playing chapter two and are there going to like so many characters you're going to run into are there going to be decision-based stuff like telltale and 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 you know what i don't give a fuck the game is out there it's a fucking rpg if you can make kingdom hearts 3 on one fucking disc and you're making pretty much final fantasy 7 final fantasy 7 kingdom hearts recoded or whatever the fuck you want to fucking call it, then why can't you put it on one goddamn disc? You don't fucking want to because you know there's enough Final Fantasy VII fanboy idiots that are going to that would play upwards of one hundred and forty dollars just to get the complete game and then stand there and justify your fucking actions for Square Enix. This is fucking pathetic. This is fucking sad. And just everyone jumping up and defending this shit is just fucking ridiculous. You want to justify gameplay changes, plot changes, whatever the fuck you want to do, go for it. But when they start Start dipping into your wallet and ripping you the fuck off and you stand there and say that this is a fucking good thing, you can go fucking fuck yourself because now the consumer is getting ripped off and you just don't give a fuck because all you want to do is play your goddamn remake that you don't even know that you fucking wanted or not. It was just something you wanted to say that you wanted from the beginning because the first one was fucking 
god-awful looking nowadays. So, you know what? Enjoy your fucking game. Enjoy your fucking episode of content. Enjoy spending 140 to 200 fucking dollars on this goddamn video game so you can sit around and play as Cloud Strife and masturbate to whatever the fuck you want to do in that fucking game. Hopefully they have Knights of the Round so you're not fucking disappointed when you can't defeat the weapons on one fucking summon with W summon and keep on repeatedly casting shit. I know that didn't last, last part didn't make sense, but I'm just so fucking pissed about the way this shit has been received, about the way it's been processed, and the fucking fanboys that can't accept reality that they're getting their fucking tits fucking milked in every single direction, and they just can't fucking accept it, and it pisses me the fuck off. But, but Chris. Yes? <laughs> t- tell me, t- tell me how you really feel. I, I, I think I'm good. Oh, <laughs> I think I finished that one. Huh. I, I think I did well. How do you think I did? That that was uh, it was a glorious rant of of epic proportions. There will be there will be legends told of this day. Uh, you know, the game could be great. The game could be good, and I hope it is good. I hope people enjoy it. But they're getting screwed. Oh yeah, yeah, and and you're right. Like I've seen a lot of people defending this thing, and I can't really say that I know why. Outside of just pure fanboyism, like as you mentioned. Um, <clears throat> the interesting note on this one, uh, the, the story that we were looking at for this is from Game Informer and their kind of take on the whole thing is that this is starting to sound more like a, uh, kind of like a greatest hits of moments from Final Fantasy VII rather than like an actual fully realized remake of the game. So, oh god, I hope not. Well, I mean, if you think about it, that kind of makes sense, right? Because if they're going to be releasing each one of these in these little self-contained pods of of story, then it's possible that, you know, they're just going to be like, hey, remember that thing that happened in that game you like so much? Well, you can play that yeah. for, like, $30. And then we'll, like, release another one and you can pay us again. At this point, I mean, okay, first of all, I was never clamoring for a remake anyway because, A, this was not, like, a part of my, like, childhood or anything. And, B, I've never been, like, hugely into Final Fantasy. Like, I've played a couple of the games so far. Um, So this wasn't something I was really super serious about. I I will say that I would have liked um, an actual just straight-up graphical remake of the original without really any changes outside of that but i think i'm kind of in the minority on that one because we had discussed the you know sort of archaic battle system and everything probably wouldn't translate very well nowadays but honestly that wouldn't bother me at all but Mm -hmm. it is what it is um well i mean it it, it, i i accepted it right that it's not going to be turn-based i I accepted the fact the game's not going to be turn-based it's going to come to a new generation and if people are going to be happy with it that's fine you know it's it's not something i would enjoy um, but I, I, I've kind of been in that realm of gaming anyway, but most new games that come out, I've, I've not been the type that I enjoy, but I recognize that plenty of people do enjoy and play games that I do not. And that's fine. Um, if they're going to remake Final Fantasy VII, it was designed in a way that I did not f- feel compelled to play it. That's fine. Um, cause I mean, I, I grew up playing it unlike you, uh, played it growing up and, um, you know, as great as it was, I, I never really felt like it needed to be remade because it was a very good game. It's just, I, I see an opportunity for Square Enix to kind of screw over the consumer. And instead of people jumping up and saying this is bullshit, people are like, you know, well, we get to play it sooner and it's broken up and everything is, is better for it. I'm just like, I'm shaking my head. Like, they don't... 
that like like people see what's going on, but that they are so desperate to have a remake for whatever reason they want it for that they they'll, they'll just accept anything, and that's that's disappointing, and I, I it upsets me very much. So I, I could I could tell. Uh, so speaking of, uh, yet another version of an already existing game, by the way, that was probably the longest segment out of these coming up. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Microsoft has gone on record as saying that they really have no information about bringing anything to the Wii U except for Minecraft, everybody's favorite game. So now I think it's on literally every platform, including your TI-83 plus graphing calculator. It's not available for the Game Boy yet. Oh, you're right. Well, okay. Well, see, they've still got fucking real estate to expand to. So there you go. Coming 2018. Anyway, continue. Yeah. Um, so this just came after uh, a tweet from Microsoft Studios um, suggesting that the company might be open to the idea of bringing Xbox One's rare replay thing to Nintendo consoles. Um, but at, like we said, at this time, they've, <laughs> they kind of recanted on that one and covered their own ass and said that they really don't have any information about anything coming to the Wii U at this time other than Minecraft. Right. Um, yeah, there's the, the couple of stories that came out of this. Uh, I think the most significant one um, was the fact that Wii U's coming to the... Uh, Minecraft, not Wii U. Uh, Minecraft is coming to the Wii U with... No asymmetrical gameplay support, which is a huge missed opportunity. Mm. Um, and you could craft on your gamepad, you could do whatever you can. Like, it blows my mind this wouldn't be in the development process. If you're going to release it for the Wii U and you don't have that, uh, you might as well not even release it on the Wii U. I, I, I just don't get why you can't do all your crafting and all of your stuff and menus on your gamepad. That would be perfect. That would be the definitive version. You wouldn't come with that out of the box. It means that whoever you're asking to port this over to the Wii U is not thinking at all. You get a bunch of good stuff. Yeah, you get all these extra skins and everything like that comes straight out of the box. But they're not thinking about how the Wii U could be best utilized. That's first of all. Um, second of all, the, the the Rare Replay stuff that you're uh, talking about. Mm-hmm. with uh, Someone said, uh, wouldn't it be great if the Rare Replay came to the Wii U? And uh, Microsoft came out and said, uh, you know, you have to ask Rare, you have to ask the guys at Rare to see if they would do that. And they even, it was in a tweet, and they put Nintendo America on there as well. And it got coverage from GameSpot, uh, which is where the article is from. And I, I, I just put that in there for a laugh, because, guys, Rare Replay's never coming to the Wii U. It's, it's not going, it would be great if it did. I would love to see it on the Wii U. That'd be fantastic because I don't own an Xbox One. I'd love to be able to play Conquest Fur Day on uh, and, and get a lot of other games for it. I just, yeah, that that was hilarious. That that even got any traction by any news site. That was great. Slow news week, man. Very slow news week where you have to report whether or not a game owned by Microsoft that was advertised as an Xbox One exclusive is going to be going to the dying Wii U. Now, to be fair, Minecraft is going there. So I guess there is that little room for argument. But come on, you really thought, like, Rare is going to come back to Nintendo just so it can sell more stuff? Actually, selling stuff. Okay. Um, yeah, but that's not going to happen. That's hilarious, though. Would you Would you like retro, uh, Rare uh, Rare Replay on your Wii U, Shane? Uh, you know what? i got so many other things to, like, catch up on on my Wii U that, like, that's not even on my radar. <laughs> yeah. But, it'd be, I mean, it's only, like, a $20 game. 
when it comes to the ton of shit yeah well you know i mean if it happens i'd probably be uh i'd probably be uh on board with it but if it doesn't happen i'm certainly not going to be heartbroken about it that's for sure i need to uh need to get into some xenoblade first you know i always offered you to uh offer to let you borrow the the wii game you have until march (laughs) i'll keep that in mind yes uh but you know what i thought i think neither of us would ever think would happen Hmm. speaking of things uh star citizen passing 100 million dollars in funding and yet still not having an actual release yeah man this thing has been in the works now for three years i think yeah the kickstarter started in october of 2012 yeah yeah and uh, yeah, as of yesterday, actually the twelfth of December, um, they hit the hundred million mark, and uh, this has surpassed a lot of other major games like The Witcher Three. Um, and there's still not an actual game <laughs> to speak of. Like, uh, I have to kind of agree with some of the sentiments I've heard. You know, over the course of the three years of this thing, has been sort of like in the in the works, I guess, which is. I feel like this thing is gotten it has gotten over ambitious with the amount of money that they've gotten and the commensurate amount of things that they've promised for this game they're basically saying that this game is going to include everything you could possibly dream of in like a space sim including you know first person combat Space flight, like colonization, customization of everything, space stations. Like, I, if they manage to pull this off, it would probably be one of probably be one of the most impressive feats I think I've ever seen, like in the video game industry, because they have got some very fucking big shoes to fill at this point. Uh, they kind of talked themselves into a corner at this point. I mean, yeah. A hundred million dollars in funding and all the things you promised. I think they just, at some point you just need to shut the fuck up and just get a game out there, which would be nice. Um, because now you have, the bar is so high. I think that no matter what they release at this point, it's going to be a disappointment. Nothing is going to live up to the funding that has been put behind this game. There is no way this game is going to be as good as $100 million. <clears throat> you are beyond a AAA publisher's budget at this point. And you are, I think they're largely just, they're, they're an indie company with a lot of money. Mm-hmm. You're not going to get what you want. It's not going to happen. Um, $100 million is a very impressive sum, but all the things they continue to promise... Um, it's like they want to make No Man's Sky, but every single planet has uh, has a story mode. It's pretty much what they're getting to. That's even. I mean, even No Man's Sky pretty much looks like it's going to be a game completely devoid of people, um, and that's very ambitious. And it's not even operating on. I don't even think half the budget that Star Citizen is operating on. It's going to be a massive disappointment when this thing lands, uh, no matter how good it is. And I just hope it's, uh, you know, I hope its backers get get their money's worth out of it. But I don't think they're going to be happy with it. I think it's going to be even no matter. I hope it is good because I think in the future people look back on it and enjoy it. But it could be the greatest game ever made, and it will still be a disappointment. Well, Chris, you know what you can get your money's worth out of? Uh, 3DS. Hey, it's funny you mentioned that. That's exactly (laughs) what I was going to say. 
according to Nintendo, that is, the 3DS is in fact here to stay, even in the face no, of their uh, foray into the smartphone gaming market. Uh, according to Nintendo's marketing boss, Scott Moffat, he was saying that it's not something that you should consider as a zero-sum game, which is to say that just because they are now entering into the mobile gaming market does not mean that they're going to be abandoning their their long-standing uh, bastion that is the uh, handheld gaming hardware. No, 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 no. Them going to the mobile gaming market doesn't mean they're going to abandon the 3DS. It's when they go to the N-Cross. That's, that's when they're going to abandon the 3DS, so... Don't don't and, and people who are confused why I'm calling it the End Cross. It's because in Japan, when they have like Tekken Cross Street Fighter, that's like resen- represented by an X, and I completely think it's going to be a cross between a mobile and uh, uh, console platform. But anyway, uh, it, it's yeah, that's when they're going to abandon it. That's that's when that's going to happen. Not oh, not because well, of yes. mobile games, but because that. Yes. No, I, I think they're just sort of like tactfully dodging that one right now uh, because the whole like. The whole focus, at least for this particular story, and I guess people's immediate fears, is that Nintendo sort of going outside of their normal wheelhouse and, uh, you know, expanding into uh, platforms outside of their own hardware, particularly in a mobile space, uh, had some people concerned that they were going to be abandoning their, their mobile hardware, like the DS and things like that. Um, but yeah, you're right. I mean, and that's... I think anybody would be stupid to assume that that they're still going to be supporting the 3DS as soon as, you know, whatever the I'm going to call it the NX because reasons. But um, when the NX comes around, you know, obviously that's going to sort of signal the death for the 3DS. But, uh, you know, I don't even at least, know. At least we hypothesize it. I, I can't imagine that it wouldn't. I mean, most companies, they just, you know, they tend to move on to whatever their next new hotness is. And especially if the NX is going to include uh, a mobile, you know, a mobile piece of hardware integrated into the console itself, then that that does completely replace the 3DS. So there's really no reason to be supporting older hardware as soon as that comes around this reminds me a lot of when they said the 2ds i mean not the 2ds when the when the ds would not replace the game boy line do you remember that <laughs> yeah look how that turned out yeah that's that's what i'm seeing here it's like no no the nx isn't going to replace the wii u or the 3ds it's just going to replace both of them <laughs> and that's where we're going to go with uh with the i don't know why i'm laughing um <laughs> With the NX and Cross, whatever I want to call it. Um, but what is too far, and I don't know why I'm saying that, is that when 77,000 Steam accounts are hacked every day on Steam, and if you send Retro Hangover $1 per day for the low, low price, you too can save a Steam account, my Steam account, <laughs> from ever being hacked. Yes. And, and protection. For merely pennies a day, no, you no, can save... A Steam account from an awful fate. No, 99 pennies a day. A dollar. Less than a dollar. I mean, whatever, man. That's still pennies. Depends on, you know, how they send it. And for the record, it's (laughs) 77,000 Steam accounts every month. Not every day. 
I thought it was day. Not every month. It's not day. So it it is month. It, it's a little it's a little less tragic, but still nonetheless. So really, uh, okay. Listen, the the, the, the big <laughs> of an angel. Oh, God, fucking change the channel, man. I hate this commercial. Uh, no, but I mean, really, the, the reason that so many of these Steam accounts get hacked so often is because of the item trading system that Steam has built into it. Into it, and so you know, if you're not super into like, you know, trading hats, then you're probably not going to get targeted for this. I mean, I know I'm not. I think the majority of my Steam inventory is just trading cards, and I just get those because I play games and i just kind of get them um i don't even know how to get a full trading card deck i i still don't know how to do that uh the way i've been doing it is i just get as many as i can from just playing the game and then if i want to finish the set i use any of the do i sell the duplicate cards on the market and then i take like the money that i made that goes into my steam wallet from selling the duplicate cards i just turn around and take that money and buy the cards that i'm missing so really i never actually spend any real money on them so that works out pretty well i don't how do you get duplicate cards uh because it's random so like each each game you get an initial allotment of like three trading cards that it'll give you i know how i know i know how that yeah well it's It's possible to get a duplicate like when when you you get third ones it happens pretty often actually i'm just i'm just thinking right now i want the i want the background music with sarah mclaughlin (laughs) in the arms of an angel and I want to see a very depressed PC gamer sitting behind his console with his headset on, talking to a microphone. It's like, look at this poor, sad individual. His account just got hacked. If you send your money to Retro Hangover, less than a dollar a day, $29 a month, you could prevent this guy from getting his account hacked. Maybe. <laughs> so please send your money to Steam Hackers... Anonymous Protection Agency, or Shoppa. <laughs> I was trying to think of what that was going to spell. <laughs> and you too can contribute to a poor Steam account users uh, from being hacked, courtesy of Retro Hangover, because we look out for the Steam accounts in the arms of an angel. In the arms, please, please, of please stop. An angel. Oh God. <laughs> Uh, you gotta, listen, you gotta, man. I, I gotta protect. I gotta protect my peeps. You know, they, they, they're getting their accounts hacked because they trade hats. Listen, man. Like according to Valve, really, you just need to you need to be using the authorization systems they have in place, and that ought to be enough for most people to avoid getting your Steam account hacked. And you know, don't do stupid shit with your passwords. And uh, they are saying that they're going to continue working on increasing the the uh, security that they have around Steam accounts. But, you know, man, it's the same advice that you get for any other account. Just don't be dumb about it and don't use the same password for literally everything. And, you know, you'll probably be all right. I just hope is that it's as easy to avoid getting hacked as it is to avoid using their controller. <laughs> so, so easy. <laughs> At least for me. I don't know, man. That thing's weird. That, th- that thing actually looks pretty cool. I want it, like, for a piece of gaming history. It's going to be like the virtual boy. What one can only hope. <laughs> that thing is going... I can't see that thing lasting more than two years. Um, But this brings us to our main topic, talking about things that have lasted more than two years, is, is censorship. Because that is 
always existed. So we'll get to the main topic, which we are renaming What's on Tap. So our main topic discussion for this episode, as we mentioned, is censorship uh, in the video game industry and some of the history behind it, where we are now, and some of our feelings uh, on the topic. So you sounded you sounded very disappointed. By the way, I brought that in. By the way, <laughs> what of your your intro? Yes, it was awful. I do admit, but uh, I mean it's okay, man. You. You do, you I tried. Do, you do. You do your best. I tried. I'm trying to bring enthusiasm. <laughs> I'm trying to bring enthusiasm, man. Well, I'm trying to do my best. Anyway, continue, sir. Sure. So um, we kind of wanted to go over some of the history of this thing first, right? Now, of course, yes. we know video games have been around um, for quite some time, uh, dating back even into the 60s and 70s, and some of their most primitive forms. And uh, we have discussed that, I think, on on a previous episode at one point, but uh, there had been some minor, relatively minor controversies regarding the censorship of games, specifically the content therein of some of the earlier games, but because they weren't quite as ubiquitous as they had come to be in later decades, um, they didn't have nearly as big an impact. So we're going to kind of, gloss over some of those earlier ones um because we all know about like you know custer's revenge for example uh every, yeah. everybody knows that that one is kind of heinous but no one really cared well it wasn't exactly censored either well no no and that was kind of that's kind of the point right is like for a while it was sort of like a very wild west well no pun intended there you go <laughs> a very wild west mentality where there really wasn't any oversight into the content uh, of video games uh, but that was able to fly under the radar for quite some time because the games hadn't really caught up to the level of realism that that they that they have so really one of the first major national controversies that ever came out of the video game scene uh, came from two games right around the same time, which was the original Mortal Kombat and uh, a little PC game called Night Trap. Well, wasn't wasn't the PC version that really gained the notoriety, though? Uh, well, no, that's true. That's true. It was the uh, Sega CD version. Yeah, I guess in my head because it was a CD, I just kind of like went with PC anyway. But I mean, I mean, I'm, I'm I digress. It's it's not important, but those are the two big games. Yeah, yeah, Mortal Kombat and uh, Night Trap. Yeah, and like I said, they came out right around the same time. Um, and for they were actually very controversial for very different reasons. So Mortal Kombat, as I think we all know, uh, was one of the first fighting games to really bring a new level of violence and and brutality to the to the fighting genre. Up until this point, it had been very cartoony. Um, you know, a lot of the sound effects and visuals were not quite as gritty. Um, and, and on top of that, Mortal Kombat was the first one to actually use live action capture, uh, for their, uh, character models as opposed to just, you know, uh, 3D renders or, or, well, not 3D, but just renders. Um, 
So this new level of realism coupled with the very gruesome fatalities like ripping out your opponent's spine um, and, and things of that nature garnered it a lot of attention from parent groups and uh, politicians looking for something to latch their slimy claws onto. And uh, on the flip side, I think Night Trap was more of um, an indecency slash like implied sexual nature because for those of you that aren't very familiar with Night Trap, uh, I'm going to let Chris uh, give a little overview of what this game actually was. Uh, Okay, so um, if you want to know what Night Trap is, go play Five Nights at Freddy's. Uh, Make the game about... Uh, 20 times more grainy and put real people in, well, I guess, put, yeah, put real people in place of animatronics and and call them, like, aliens and stuff, and you're mostly trying to protect other people, and that's Night Trap. Um, it's, the the whole entire controversy behind it's actually rather stupid, because, what is it, someone, like, women, like, get killed Violent acts happening against women, and and they're and they're in their nineties, and that was the the big uproar of it. It's it's actually pretty silly, um, not pretty silly. It's actually it's very completely total ridiculous. It's completely and totally ridiculous when you look at the pe- the complaints that they have against the game. It's it's absurd. Um, well, I mean, the game was okay. So the game was intended to be um sort of a spoof on horror movies at the time, so it was always yeah. intended. To be super, super campy. And the the basic premise is that you are using um, video cameras, like uh, surveillance cameras, to try to uh, help a bunch of sorority girls at a sleepover from getting killed by what they claim to be vampires. It's basically just kind of dudes in like black outfits, but according to them, it's supposed to be vampires, I guess. It's it's a basic five nights at Freddy's. Yeah, it really, it really is. It's the same exact sort of gameplay setup. Um, and you're right. Like, like I mentioned, really the controversy stems mostly from implied violence against women and also the sort of uh, sexual implications of girls in their nightgowns mm-hmm, being mm-hmm. attacked. Um, so from but, all I mean, of this... Yeah. Uh, no, go ahead. What were you going to say? Well, I was going to say, I mean, people need to remember that back then, this is what, the early 90s? This had to be, you know what, 90, 91 is, is when this happened. Especially Mortal Kombat. I think they had to be around 91 uh, for a release date. And I think they had to be around Night Trap when that came out for the Sega CD originally. Because I know the Sega CD came out around 91. And it was uh, somewhat close to launch. Um, Atari had been gone for a while. And, and anything that could be produced on the Atari was somewhat primitive anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, Nintendo had such a tight control over the video game industry and the way they censored stuff like they did in, um, in Castlevania, removing the breasts from, like, the Medusa and the statues and stuff like that, mm-hmm. to, um, you know, not releasing games with uh, certain themes like Devil World, which is actually a Sigiro Miyamoto-produced game that never came over here uh, just because of its themes. Um, and it wasn't just Nintendo. You had NEC uh, uh, censoring games, self-censoring games like Splatterhouse, which uh, took a lot of stuff out of it, like things like Blood Was Green or, or uh, The Mask Was Purple instead of White to kind of produce, uh, protect themselves against copyright. Uh, just a lot of things were being removed when they came over to the U.S. market, and that was a lot of Nintendo's influence. So when games like Mortal Kombat, uh, which didn't really 
I mean, it had its notoriety in the arcades. I mean, of course it did. But no one really gave a shit about it until it came to the consoles, where Nintendo replaced all the blood with sweat, and so did Sega. And I think a lot of people think that Sega didn't. Um, But Sega made it very... uh, Sega and Midway made it very easy to bypass that by by including a code mm-hmm. that you could easily access blood to Mortal Kombat. I think a lot of people think that the Sega Genesis version just had blood, and it doesn't. You had to act, activate a code um, for it to have blood. Um, but the Night Trap thing was just absolutely ridiculous. I didn't understand the uproar of that at all, and, and, and the themes of that. But you have to remember, back then in the early 90s, People still thought of video games like they were strictly children's toys. Right. And they are strictly for children. So anything that challenged that idea in the slightest was ostracized beyond any sort of reasonable thought. Yeah, and and one such person that you're going to hear about from us um, a couple times in the rest of this discussion... Uh, was Senator Joe Lieberman. Um, he was the one that really latched onto the whole Night Trap controversy and ended up giving the video game industry an ultimatum, which was either you put warning labels on your games or the government will force you to. And so in the wake of all of this, uh, the game industry then pledged to set up a rating system by Christmas of 1994. And from that... The ESRB was born. Yes. Um, do, do you remember what was what predated the ESRB? Uh, I do not, actually. Do you, do you know what? Uh, Sega Sega had their own rating system. Did they now? Yes. Uh, there was like GA and uh, Mature MA. I don't know what they had for teens. But yeah, Sega had their own self-imposed rating system. Hmm. That, that, that they created. And if you look at a lot of uh, those Genesis games that are created, I think, between 92 and 94, mm-hmm. or 93 and 94, they have, like, I think Sonic 3 has its own rating. I know Shinobi 3, like I said, I just got it from GameStop. It has, like, a GA rating on it. It is on there. Uh, Sega did their own rating system, uh, especially because Sega was the one that was responsible for a de-censoring a lot of the games and they were trying to uh, have a different approach than Nintendo was and trying to have a more mature approach. So they had that rating system because they were responsible. When you really think about it, Sega was really the most responsible for most of the uproar in the, in the uh, early to mid nineties. Well, that is true. I mean, they, they did do what Nintendo. So, you know, Th- that is definitely true in this. Uh, <laughs> so, so that is how we, we got the ESRB as we sort of know it today. Um, the next major uh, controversy that really sticks out as far as video game censorship goes would be uh, sort of a combination of Doom and the Columbine Massacre and how Doom was sort of related to that. So in case you don't know, um, and I can't imagine that you wouldn't, Doom was a first-person shooter that was released back in 1993. Um, and for its time, and technically even for now, really, uh, it was ultra violent and that coupled with the fact that it was one of the very first games to actually allow uh, for modding of the game via uh, their wad files these two things become very important in a in a moment so um there had already been some controversy about how violent the game was to begin with but this really took on a whole nother level when 
one of the people that had made use of the modding files in Doom was uh, a boy named Eric Harris, who uh, orchestrated the 1999 Columbine High School Massacre along with his partner, Dylan Klebel. And uh, Harris, after the fact, we f- they found that he had created several uh, custom levels for Doom, some of which were mimicking the layout of his own high school. So as you can imagine, this led many people to uh, start blaming Doom and similar games for the violence that was erupting um, at the time. And to follow onto that, that whole event then led to video game censorship actually being one very major part of the 2000 presidential election. And two of the candidates, one of which is our friend Joe Lieberman again, uh, and Ralph Nader, both took very, very strong stances on this topic, saying that uh, essentially the video game industry is equivalent to pornography and should not be, you know, allowed in a children children's homes and etc cetera, etc cetera. now surprisingly um george w bush who was also running at the time of course was probably the actual voice of reason out of all of these candidates which i never would have guessed um but according to him he was saying that essentially it's really the parents responsibility to uh to sort of you know gate what content is being provided to their children. So interestingly, probably one of the more sensible ones. Which, what I find ironic about all this dating back um, in terms of video game censorship and who's imposing it from the government. And I, I, when we move more to the future, we see that censorship is more about um, self-censorship and, and, and how it's viewed. But as we're going through the 90s through the 2000s, and even more, even so today, it's just a different kind of censorship and a different, and I mean, censorship, and when I put in quotation marks in terms of censorship rather than actual censorship, is that what most people expect, and I'm about to get pol- political, yo. Um, oh, yeah. As he said that George Bush, ironically, was the voice of reason. And it's funny, um, I don't, I don't find myself particularly conservative or liberal. I just want to throw that out there, but... You would think that in a in a conversation about being able to express yourself freely and putting your ideas out there in terms of art, which video games are, that you think that that would be more of a liberal issue. That would be more to the left. That uh, more on the left side would be the ones promoting that video games should be able to do what they want to do. They should be able to express themselves in the way they should be able to express themselves. And a lot of these names you're bringing up, Joe Lieberman, um, Ralph Nader, who was, who was very left-leaning, mm-hmm. um, they are the ones that were imposing upon that these games were, were out of moral standard. And yet, uh, George Bush, who is the conservative, was the one that uh, championed that games are mostly up to their own devices. And I think this is a theme that very much so carries itself into today, whereas more the left-leaning mindset is the ones that call out video games for being too extreme, or they need to self-censor, or they need to limit what they do. 
Whereas it's more of the right that says that video games uh, need to express themselves more freely. Which is something I find very ironic when it comes to how uh, both sides are viewed on how they handle the arts. And how the arts should be handled and how the arts should express themselves. I just think it's a very weird pattern of expression and viewpoint. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, it really goes against everything that typically... Um, you know, those parties would stand for. Uh, and I think it probably does stem from the fact that I don't believe that a lot of them consider video games to be art in the same way that they do other mediums. Um, I, I think that's probably part of the reason that you see that sort of dichotomy there for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> so that then leads us to probably the last uh, really major milestone in, in the somewhat more recent history uh, on this topic, which is the infamous Jack Thompson and his involvement with Take Two Interactive and the GTA series and Rockstar, yes, yes, and Rock and oh, Rockstar. Oh, he's not the last. We'll I'll get we'll get to last. Uh, well, just just like more it, in like the historical sense, but yeah. Um, I, I would say that he's the most significant. I would definitely agree. If not, if for nothing else other than the longevity of his. Um, <laughs> attempts to to try to do anything with this and i will say attempts because they failed but uh so thompson kind of got involved with the whole video game censorship topic sometime back around 1997 and this was about the time that there was a school shooting in paducah kentucky and he ended up filing a lawsuit um on the victim's parents behalf uh there were three students that were killed and five that were wounded and he filed a lawsuit against various uh, video game entertainment and even uh, pornography companies. And in the suit, uh, some of the games that were specifically mentioned were, surprise, surprise, Doom, uh, Quake, Wolfenstein, Mech Warrior, Resident... Mech Warrior? Really? Yeah, Mech Warrior, Resident Evil, and Final Fantasy, strangely enough. Yeah, because you just go around killing random people in Final Fantasy. That's what you Well, do. I mean, you, you kind of do, but... <laughs> It's really more about like uh, how sh- it happens, I think. Shut your horn out. Final <laughs> Fantasy VI is perfect. No. So, uh, so one of the cool things, at least I think personally, that that came out of that whole lawsuit and the following, um, the following court case, was the judge's ruling. So he ruled that the games should be considered in the same way that other creative works have been considered for decades now and just to put throw a quick quote from the judge's um determination into this one because i think it's particularly relevant uh he goes on to say that uh, atrocities have been committed in the name of many of civilization's great religions intellectuals and artists yet the first amendment does not hold those whose ideas inspired the crimes to answer for such acts to do so would be to allow the freaks and misfits of society to declare what the rest of the country can and cannot read, watch, or hear. I personally really like that quote because I think that really just sort of sums up my feelings on this topic, but um, we'll, we'll get on to my personal viewpoint here in a little bit. Right. Um, the final sort of thing with Jack Thompson is, so <clears throat> he had a very long, long fight with uh, Rockstar and Take-Two and the GTA series and, and Bully. Um, their game Bully was also included in there. Suffice to say, he filed several lawsuits against them over the course of 
years between about 2002 up through about 2006, um, all of which were unsuccessful, uh, all of which were based on the same sort of uh, predication, which was that the video games in question somehow either prepared or influenced the the shooters um, in some way. And as I said, they were all shot down. And then finally, in a, in a wonderful sort of twist of fate, Take-Two Interactive in 2007 filed a countersuit against Jack Thompson preemptively uh, before the release of their next major GTA titles, uh, claiming that he was impeding their First Amendment rights, and they ended up settling out of court with Mr. Thompson. And uh, after that, nobody really heard much from him again because the Florida Supreme Court actually ended up disbarring him because of the tactics that he had been using through the course of this whole thing. It's good he's gone. Absolutely. So that kind of brings us up to somewhat more recent history. So, Chris, what did you want to yeah. cover? Um, I mean, yeah, you you you've done a bang up job in this research scene. Um, I was more looking to stem this conversation conversation, if I can talk. Um, from uh the the the, the recent DOA thing and how uh, censorship is kind of getting overblown, but fantastic. Um, you you've really broken it down about the the, the history of censorship. Uh, and what the attempts on what we've had to do. But the, the more recent history, of course, is I would say probably between uh, Jack Thompson's most recent involvement, uh, the time he got shut down, because he was, he was starting to get shut down pretty much um, before the, the, the San Andreas came out. And like he, he was really ramping it up after Grand Theft Auto 3, but by that time, everyone kind of knew he was going to lose and his ass was going to get handed to him. Everyone kind of knew that. It was kind of getting put out there. Like no one took him seriously anymore, especially moving into the the PS3 and Xbox 360 uh, generation of video games. Mm-hmm. So I would say there was there was a decent point of just open open freedom in video games and say what you want to say from about I would say about uh, uh, 2000 to about oh I'd say about uh, three or four years ago and. Um, and what do I mean by three or four years ago? Well, first of all, censorship, even in the video game industry, I don't think has been really um, mandated by any governmental authority, right? I mean, there's always been attempts, but it's always one. Uh, the video game industry, by and large, if you're a video game fan, if you're a video gamer and you grew up in the 90s, you, we won. We won. All right? Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, we totally won. Like, we are going to enjoy our content the way we want to enjoy our content, and no one is going to tell us on how to do that, which is, I think, is the biggest point of contention nowadays, is I think that we view all threats, um, all people who have commentary against the way the video game industry works as a threat, uh, that have a commentary on how the way we do things and the way we act. And I think that that perception has caused us to view people who have a uh, who have a, a dissension of what the way video games are handled and, and the way video games are produced as people trying to censor video games. Now, I like like take an example, uh, Dead or Alive Three, okay, mm-hmm. which is this is weirdly where this comment where this topic has stemmed from. Dead or Alive Extreme Volleyball Three is a game that by and large no one cares about. 
Uh, I don't know if you'd agree or disagree, but no one has cared about this game since the first one was released. I don't even know how long ago. Uh, the series is is dead. Uh, it was an Xbox 360 launch title back again, back long ago when no one cared about uh, what it was when it was released. Um, but uh, social commentary, especially in gaming, has changed since 2006, 2007. And to say that it hasn't would just be gross ignorance on anyone's part who's paying attention to how video games are coming along, which is probably one of the biggest irritations I have with video games nowadays is that uh, there's a lot of social commentary outside of the video game industry that is driving the video game industry, which I don't like, mm-hmm. but we can get to that later. So Dead or Alive Extreme Volleyball 3 wasn't, isn't, <laughs> Koei Tecmo said this thing wasn't coming to the United States because of the way it portrayed women. Which is a uh, essentially a boob jiggling simulator, right? Uh, where they play where they play volleyball. Now, by all means, I don't give a shit if they come people come out with a boob jiggling simulator. I don't care about that. I mean, if this came out in the '90s, as we were talking about earlier, this thing would be persecuted three ways to shit. This thing would be destroyed. Video games would have ultimately gotten censored for anything coming out like this at all, no matter where it was released at. And um, the entire industry, I can guarantee you, would have gotten blown up. Just just listen to how Shane described the, the, the video game atmosphere in the 90s and early 2000s. Uh, there is no way you could have girls running around in bikinis with their boobs jiggling all over the place and uh, expect anyone to take th- this medium seriously. Ever. Um, but uh, this is a game that's coming out. And what Koei Tecmo says, this game was going to come to the United States because of the way that... Uh, that that what people commonly refer to as SJWs or social justice warriors mm-hmm. have been pinging uh, the video game industry uh, by and large for the way it treats women, and so Play Asia came out and said we're going to sell this. PlayAsia.com, who sells Japanese imports, uh, not endorsing or not endorsing him, um, just saying they sell that. Uh, they came out and said that we're going to sell this uh, game regardless of what the SJWs say. Uh, this was all well and good. Um, but it's funny, and censorship is, it's not, like I said, censorship is not censorship because no one's being censored. People are more taking precautions about what market they're entering. That's And that's pretty much what Nintendo has been doing forever. Nintendo censored other companies, but a lot of companies self-censor, which is just companies breaking, taking precaution towards a certain general market, which a lot of companies have done for years, just because the United States is different than Japan and Europe and everything. Um they're all different um but um i would have i would have accepted that if it just shut down there because a lot of sjw's and i'm using this term because that's what they're commonly referred to as a lot of sjw's came out and said they don't give a shit about this game right mm-hmm. so um they came out and said we don't care we don't care and then you find out that they're sending play asia threats about they want to shut them down and um I think that's kind of where we're at, and I think it's depressing with the censorship of the game industry now, is that expression is is, is sort of dicta- dictated by, in my opinion, what is being said by people who who don't really have an interest in video games. I think it the, the, the narrative hasn't changed from the Jack Thompsons and Joe Liebermans of the world. It's just people outside of the political arena, so they can call themselves activists, uh, trying to have an impact on on what is being said in, in the video game industry, which is is both good and bad because we've seen good things, right? Um, we've seen uh, 
more inclusive narratives. We've seen more in terms of in terms of social aspects, like uh, more more um, openness to accepting homosexual story arcs and uh, and stuff like that, which is, is fine. It, it increases narratives, but at the same time, you see a lot of hesitation um, in, in terms of people willing to freely express themselves because they're afraid of what a certain demographic is going to say about what they're doing. So I'm curious if you kind of feel, I think you do, but I'm curious if you feel sort of the same way about this that I do, which is to say, I think a lot of these people are just getting outraged for the sake of being outraged. Yeah, but I think... (sighs) And I'm someone who does not side with the, the quote, SAWs, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, I think they're a bunch of ridiculous trolls. I think that there's a bunch of professional victims out there that are just people saying that they're distraught and being criticized just because it's a way to get attention. I do think that's out there. But I do think the other side of the coin, the people that are the, the, the biggest vocal um adversaries of the SJWs are, are just as guilty. I will say that. Mm-hmm. Because, I mean, they make a lot of noise and say, oh, you, you can't control our games. No, no one's controlling your games. You know, that's up to the companies, right? No, no, one's, no one's saying this can't happen. You know, no one's saying that they can't make these games come out here and they, they, no one's dictating to them. They're making their own decisions and they're putting it out there and, and I'm... Yeah, some of them are regrettable, and I think they're 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 uh, coming under pressure from outside uh, influences that that they shouldn't do, but ultimately they do. And, and to blame SJWs on it um, for their influence, I mean, you could do that, or you could blame the companies for bucking under the pressure. Yeah, so I think it sounds like really at this point. You know, now that we've kind of we went over a little bit of the history of how this thing played out and to where we are today, uh, as you mentioned, a lot of the censorship at this point has moved from um, a more uh, legislative level, I suppose, to most of it really being kind of on, you know, on the the onus is on um, the companies themselves. Right. Right. Uh, right. And I don't know. See, I, I, I will say, and you're right in that, at least in the case of Dead or Alive, um, that nobody cares about that game. <laughs> and, and I don't, I never cared about it. Like, I was just like, oh, yeah, cool. It's some girls playing volleyball. That's, I'm sure. Boobs. Yeah. Like, I'm, I'm sure that they're, and I always thought it was hilarious anyway, because listen, Graphics may be really, really good now, but that shit is still not realistic. Like, the quote, end quote, like, jiggle physics they have in that game is hilarious. Like, it's, it's really both, bad. Both boobs, like, move independently of each other in opposite directions when, like, the characters move. Like, there's no sense of realism there. So, you kind of have to take all of this with a very, very large grain of salt. And, uh, it's to fap that large cock we were talking about earlier. Oh, uh, don't, man, don't do that with salt. That's that's terrible. <laughs> with salt? Yeah. Why you have cuts on your shit or something, dude? Hey, bro, you need to get that looked at. I mean, even cuts or no, man, salt salt <laughs> is rough, son. You don't you don't do that. That's just. Hey, don't know, man. When you have a giant a, throbbing a bad cock time all around, you know. 
Calluses, brah. I fuck mad bitches. <laughs> it brings up brings up calluses, man. Uh, it's rough, man. How did how did we get derailed like this again? I don't care. Uh, I don't know, man. So I guess really the point that I'm making here is that for me personally... Derailed isn't the best comment to use when talking about cock. Anyway, continue. <laughs> for me personally, um, I've never understood all of the vehement outrage that comes from the whole censorship thing and the content not only in video games but other forms of media as well but you know obviously we're focusing on games here but i've never understood that because i never personally have felt like oh man i'm so personally affronted by this thing that i need to make a big stink about it like if there's something that i don't like then i just don't play it or i don't watch it or or whatever like you're not required to partake in any of this content and right and and that is why i kind of feel like by and large a lot of people are just getting outraged just for the sake of being outraged they just want something to bitch about and this seems like an easy target now am i saying that it's like right to base an entire game around girls with like unrealistically large boobs like flopping around everywhere in bikinis and that yes uh, (laughs) maybe not but like again you know let's be fair and it might be a somewhat disproportionate amount but there are still a number of male characters in the video game realm that are very clearly sexualized and very clearly uh, modeled in such a way that they are supposed to be this unrealistic um, portrayal of, you know, m- male what body men perfection. Are masculinity. Right, yeah. exactly. So it's not like women are the only ones that are targeted by this. It, now, granted, video gaming tr- historically has been mostly a male-centric hobby. That has changed over the years now. Very, very much so. Um, to where it's uh, actually statistically it's incredibly balanced now and in some cases depending on the genre um, female gamers outweigh males um, by a large margin and that's awesome I think everybody should be included Um, you know this is a hobby that we enjoy and there's really no reason that we wouldn't want everyone to enjoy the the shit that we like so um, I'm totally all for that but you know it should just be noted that um there are unrealistic portrayals and and sort of expectations, I guess, made on everyone. You know, games, I mean, take like Kratos, for example. Not everybody looks like a jacked, you know, slayer of Greek gods, but... Who just bangs bitches in his free time. Right, exactly. Um, but you know what? It's that's That's there. And, you know, honestly, yep. that doesn't really bother us. And... And, nope. and there and there are games that go for a much more sexualized angle for some of the male characters, and I've seen it, and I don't really give a shit. Like, yeah, I guess technically, like I'm being uh, targeted, I guess you could say, by that because because I'm part of that demographic. But as long as you don't fucking say true, uh, no, that's listen, that's an entirely other topic for a different day. But oh god. Um, <clears throat> I don't know, man. I guess that's I'm sort of rambling now. But ultimately, that is kind of my point is that I I don't understand the outrage. And I think that people need to just take a much more level headed approach to these things, because I don't think that it's necessary 
to have these sorts of conflicts about something that Mm -hmm. ultimately is just not a big deal. No, it's it's really not. And, And the ironic thing about all this, or at least I believe so, is that a lot of this 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 these voices of conflict just could have been shut the fuck up if people just ignored them. I think a lot of this comes out of uh, a lot of this modern uh, censorship that we've experienced, I think, out of the past five years. Uh, I think it's been going back about five years now. <clears throat> comes from, uh, uh, largely comes from the, 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 the new feminist movement. I don't know if they've, they've called it, they have a name to it or anything like that. I don't know what the fuck they want to call it. I don't care. Um, where, you know, you have your Anita Sarkeesian's, uh, uh, Brianna Wu's and uh, who's the other one? Zoe Quinn. I think so. Yeah. Yeah, Zoe Quinn. And if you don't know who Zoe Quinn is, and you know what Gamergate is, then you just need to quit Gamergate because then you, you're an idiot. <laughs> um, but you know, those are the three big names that are really thrown across. Um, how modern video game quote censorship is applied, and that's because that they got, went out there and they said that you know. Uh, uh, women aren't represented in video games and blah 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 and it's unfortunate that you know they're being harassed and so on and so forth and this is a problem in video games and uh it, it sounds mostly a s- social media and twitter and not so much video games so i'm not going to dive into that so much um but in terms of video games it's really started this kind of perception about uh, what you can put in put in what you can and cannot put into video games which comes to dead or alive which is a pretty much a fapping simulator that when it was released back in the early 2000s and mid 2000s when you know getting access to red tube uh wasn't as easy uh served more of a purpose um but you know the, the, those are the main points of contention is with those 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 individuals and i just think if a lot of people just shut the fuck up and didn't get so angry about what these people had to say and just pretty much ignore them i don't think that uh, the perceived self-censorship of companies coming to America and what they're limiting and what uh, and how they're changing games uh, and how they deliver their content here in America. I don't think any of this would happen if the people who want it to happen had just kept their mouths shut and had not created a controversy and had not said sent stupid death threats to these people, which I don't know why you would do that. And, 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 like, I don't agree with any of those people, but f- for Christ's sakes, why are you sending any of these people death threats? And, and and when you do that, you justify that a lot of gamers are people that don't really have any um, self-awareness about censorship or, or, or really care about issues or anything like that. They just want to see boobs and ass and violence, and that's all they really give a shit about. And when you give credence to that, yeah, now companies are like, well, if we if we put these things in games, we might be viewed as uh, sexist, or we might be viewed as insensitive, and that really upsets me because if they just if they just let things go and they let things do the things they want to, then video games could continue to progress as an art and say the things they wanted to say without fear of being pressured by outside sources to change their views, to include things that they normally wouldn't include just for the sake of including things. And I think um, this is it's a very dangerous avenue for the video game industry. Yeah, and I think <clears throat> um, it's probably worth noting 
just because you had been kind of mentioned it, but I also want to make it very clear that, that the both of us, I believe, are very much aware and, and taking note of the fact that uh, there are wrongs on both sides of this little little oh, conflict. Yeah. We are not siding with one or the other. I think we are trying to be impartial viewers of this thing as much as possible. But uh, ultimately, yeah, we very much know that there have been some serious wrongs on both sides of this. Um, so just wanted to throw that out there. So to wrap this whole thing up, I think um, in maybe a couple minutes time, uh, Chris, what do you feel as a whole about censorship in video games? Do you feel that it has a place? And if so, uh, what is that place? And to what extent do you think it's, uh, worthwhile and at what point do you think that it might overstep its bounds uh, uh first of all no i don't think censorship has uh, any place in the video in, in any industry video game music uh movie television it doesn't matter uh it, censorship is not in place the government should not have a have a right at least the united states is protected by the first amendment to tell us what we should say and what we shouldn't say in terms of what we should self-police ourselves to say I think if you're going to say something, you better have something behind it. Um, but you can put out anything you want to. I just think, look, it's it's we're, we're in a situation right now in the industry um, where we're just starting to come into our own. I think we have to learn how to push boundaries, but we have to learn how to push boundaries tastefully. And we as a consumer base have to learn how to consume things tastefully and not just ingest things for the sake of controversy or because... And just things just because a certain demographic doesn't disagree with it. But I also think that many companies shouldn't, if, if you want to create something, create something for the sake of creating it and not just to pander to certain groups and not to hold back anything because you do not like the way you are received. I think we've come a long way since the 90s. We won. As I said this earlier, the the, the kids of the 90s, we won, goddammit. We we. We saw Mortal Kombat get ostracized. We we didn't understand it when Night Trap got slammed. We didn't get it when uh, it the big controversy over Conker's Bad Fur Day or any of the games in between. Like Doom, um, we won with Doom. We fucking won. <laughs> we won it. We uh, we won the censorship battle. It's over. Um, we just just. As gamers, we need to stop getting so defensive over everyone who tries to attack the media and what it tells us what we should and shouldn't be enjoying. But at the same time, developers, look, do what you want to do. Create games. If you want to, if, um, what is, what is too much? Nothing is too much because if it is too much, the consumer will not ingest it. And if you make a really good game that is too much for the consumer to ingest, then uh, you're not going to do too well. And it all comes down to business. Um, but there shouldn't be any protests. Uh, the free market will speak. Um, and we, and I, I don't, I, I'm happy we didn't really get into Gamergate because that's a completely different issue altogether. But um, it really has brought to light um, what, what developers are afraid and are afraid not to do. And I think it still shows that video games are such a young medium in terms of what they're willing to do, that it needs to move forward, it needs to be confident, and it needs to do 
what it wants to do in terms of self-expression. Good. Yeah. Um, as far as I'm concerned, I think I agree on a lot of your points. Um, I ramble. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I will say that for me personally, I've always been of the mind that I, I don't believe that um, censorship, particularly from a third party, is ever the right answer, um, as sort of as you mentioned. And... I strongly believe that it is, and this may honestly be one of the only times where I can safely say that I actually completely agree with George W. Bush, is that I do believe that it is up to the parents to be active and involved and know what their children are consuming for content. Now, am I saying that a parent is going to be able to control all of that 100% of the time? No. No, I'm not. There's... It's the real world, man, and shit happens. But um, when you... They get seen on Blade Chronicles X and they see a giant cock. <laughs> but when it really comes down to it, I do think it's the parent's responsibility to be an active part of their child's life. And I'm sort of focusing on that because a lot of the censorship did come from the whole save the children angle. Because that's a favorite of politicians because it drums up sympathy. Um, so... No, I don't think that censorship is necessary or needed. Um, and as you mentioned, I think the free market is enough to decide if your uh, product is something that enough consumers are unwilling to purchase, then it will fail. And if it fails enough, then those sorts of things just will stop coming about. I think that that's sort of just the natural order of things. Um and as far as like the self-censorship thing goes, listen, this just goes into my other thoughts about political correctness as a whole. I think as a society, we've gone far, far too much into that direction um, to where everyone is constantly walking on eggshells in regards to what they think they can or cannot say or do, uh, lest they be you know, uh, shamed by society as a whole, I suppose, or at least vocal minorities. And I think it's ridiculous. Um, the level of PC-ness that we have now gotten ourselves to, I feel really limits a lot of the potential uh, creativity, and it really limits a lot of the potential dialogue that I think we could have as as a people, as a society, um, when you're so concerned with offending someone that uh, you hold so much back, I think a lot, uh, a lot gets lost there, which is really unfortunate. You, you have? Have you read 1984? Yes, yes, I have. There you go. Yep, exactly. <laughs> Oh man! Now we're now we're starting to sound like a political commentary. Well, show. well, that's good because uh, this is where we're we're wrapping this conversation up. So before we before we get any farther into into that whole realm, uh, we're gonna say that I think I think overall we've had a had a pretty good talk about this topic today. I I enjoyed it. And, and yes, I agree. Horrible beast monster Donald Trump for president twenty sixteen. Oh God, <laughs> <laughs> he will rule your soul. And dominate your consciousness. He is the Shang Tsung of presidential candidates. Kill all Muslims. God. <laughs>
I got to remember that I can edit this stuff out. <laughs> well, on that note, I think we're going to wrap up uh, this episode of the Retro Hangover podcast. Um, so uh, if... We- we re- you, we really do not want to kill all Muslims. Are you gonna are you gonna censor me, Shane? I don't know, man. I might I might just be a huge hypocrite. You never know. But uh, yeah, I think we're gonna wrap this one up for today. Uh, so as always, if you find listeners have anything that you would uh, like to say about the topic we've discussed, or really anything at all, just want to shoot us a line and say hey, <laughs> then uh, you can certainly do that. There are many ways in which you can do that. You can get in contact with us via our Facebook page, which is uh, Retro Hangover on Facebook. Uh, you can also tweet us at, at Retro Hangover. Uh, or you can email us at podcast at retrohangover.com. Uh, and uh, just before I, uh, we close out, hey, I just got, I'm not endorsed by this guy or whatever, but hey, uh, Pat the NES Punk at Pat the NES Punk on Twitter and ultimatenes.com. They are putting together a fantastic-looking uh, NES compilation book where it covers every single NES game uh, released domestically and a couple of games that have been released abroad. I have been put my money into it in Kickstarter. Uh, 66 total dollars. Uh, campaign ends on the 22nd. It looks like a really good book. That's the only reason I'm bringing it up. It's done really well. Uh, if you want to get on that, by all means, get for it. Because um, we are a retro uh, theme podcast. Um big nes collection looks really really good uh look into it it should be great yeah definitely um if i can drum up some of the cash for that before that thing ends i'd like to get in on that too because that's uh that's gonna be a really cool uh book to to go over some serious serious nostalgia in that one i think yeah i, I don't really put shout outs like that but hey after uh all the time hey thanks for sticking with us thanks for listening to us thanks for listening and talk about giant penises and where we'd like to put them <laughs> even though i don't think we got to that point and uh don't censor my penis <laughs> and with that happy gaming <laughs> happy penis